0: Well, good morning, Community Heights, if you want to, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter, or 2 Peter chapter 1, so you'll be ready in the Scriptures this morning. We're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're still on this series Is Does the Bible Really Say That? And the question this morning is, does the Bible really say that God will never give you more than you can handle? Does it say that? Does it really say that? And so we're, we're tackling some terms that are what I would call folk theology. It's phrases that, that kind of gets around the community, gets around the culture, gets around the Christian community, and people just believe it. It's kind of like the Internet. You know, if it says it enough times and if it's on enough websites and you watch it enough times, it must be true. And so does the Bible really say that God will never give you more than you can handle. And I've got some, uh, some statements here, and, and we've heard some of these, some of these maybe you've not heard. For instance, uh, I'm sorry, you're fill in the blank there, your, your son, your daughter, your, your grandfather, uh, your grandmother was just killed in an accident, but just remember, God will never give you more than you can handle. Have you you ever heard that? Some of you, I'm sure, have actually been in a position where, where somebody in your family has passed away and somebody has said that to you. It happens all the time. How about this one? I'm sorry you just lost your job, but just remember, God will never give you more than you can handle. And that's so encouraging. Not really. How about this one? I'm sorry your home was just destroyed in a landslide, but just remember, God will never give you more than you can handle. And then, uh, I'm sorry your life's been put on hold and your income is gone because of COVID-19, but just remember, God's never going to give you more than you can handle. I'm sorry that no human being could ever handle what you're actually going through, but hey, just remember, God will never give you more than you can handle. And I'm sorry that anybody ever made up this, this folk theology phrase that God will never give you more than you can handle. Because the truth is, um, that's probably not true. In fact, several times in my life, I have found that not to be true. However, one could say the fact that I'm still standing here proves that it is true, that somehow I was able to handle it. I've told you before about the, the accident that my son was in. And, and when he was in recovery, he had a feeding tube. And for days and days, he couldn't take anything through his mouth. He couldn't eat or drink through his mouth. Everything had to go in the tube. And once he got back to where he was semi-thinking about things, uh, he, would, he would ask us over and over and over, just something cold to drink. Can I Just have something cold to drink. He used to be a server at Red Robin. So he would ask us for, oh, can I have some freckled lemonade, uh, freckled strawberry lemonade with, with ice? I want a lot of ice in it. And he would just be begging. You know, as a parent, you want to feed your kid. You know, you want to give your kid a drink of water when they're thirsty. We couldn't do any of that. And one day, somehow, food showed up uh, on the table by his bed. Somebody came in and put food down, and they said, oh, well, this, this is the order, and I'm looking at it, and he's looking at it, and he's leaning for it. And just as quickly this nurse rushes in and she sees it and she says, No, wait. And she grabs it and she said, This patient is not to have anything to eat or to drink through this mouth. And at that point, that was more than I could handle. I mean, it was like my boom. I just I looked at her and as as mean as I could muster, I said to her, I pointed her, I said, Don't you ever say anything like that in front of my son again I was so ticked I mean it just took a couple weeks for me to go from the the pastor of compassion to the sinister minister and I really was at that point because I'd had it and it was just like eight months later I parked in the parking garage at this hospital and I got out as I was walking to the hospital entrance my feet were just so heavy I just did not want to go. I remember looking at the entrance ahead of me. And I remember almost counting down the paces till I would go into the hospital. And with every step, I just was, I did not want to go in there. My dad was in there. He was in there. Of course, my mom was at home. And he was in there. His mind was pretty much gone. But he was still mobile So when we would get there, he needed one-on-one supervision 24-7. When we would get there, the the one-on-one would leave. That would would be their opportunity to to go. And while family was there, they let us watch him. They let us take care of him. And it was so, so draining to have your dad tell you, I want to do this, I want to do that, let's go here, let's go there, Dad, you can't go out there. And I literally would have to stand in front of the door and not let him leave the room. And it just, I remember thinking back how with my son, it was one kind of horrible. But with your parent, it's another kind of horrible. And it was just like, I just remember thinking, this is just, I can't keep doing this day after day. Thankfully or not, I was on a three-month sabbatical. So I had a lot of time to go day after day to his hospital room. And it was just exhausting, and I thought it was more than I could handle. I talked to John and Christy Dunwell this week, and I talked to them, and we talked back and forth about, uh, does God really give us more than we can handle? And so check out this conversation.
1: More often than not, in many cases, whether we're talking... Challenges we had having children, whether we're talking just some ministry experiences in the past or even currently with two new, new business startups, it just seems like uh, there's always stuff that seems overwhelming. We know that whatever comes across our path, not that he causes it, but he, he just has this unbelievable ability in our love and our faithfulness with him to believing that he will do what he says he's going to do and work it out for the good. It causes us to really rely on him when things are going well, and maybe our our relationship with him is a little more slack and a little more I don't know, lackadaisical. But when things are hard or when we have more than, then we really cling to him and we really cling to his hope and uh, his peace and comfort. And brings, but, Part of what and these things that are overwhelming is we get to that place where we say, Lord, I can't. I need you and to recognize that it really in most of life, and I think part of what I'm hoping God's working in my life on a regular basis, not just in crisis, but in everyday things, is I don't want to take a step forward without the Lord being present and the Lord working. What I'm experiencing right now is not the end. It is part of a very important, valuable process of what he wants to create in me and through me and around me and someday, I'm gonna have a lot of questions, <laughs> but you know, um, to say that, you know, I somehow I put in the limit when God talks about us suffering with him. And I think that's part of what he means in suffering together and finding the joy is we actually, you know, invite the Lord into those hard moments and we experience him in unique ways. It's sometimes very hard to experience him when we're self-reliant. To say, Lord, what are you saying? What are you teaching? I'm not trying to figure out where all this came from. I'm not trying to figure out who's the cause. But I just trust the fact that I can still learn things about you, uh, my world. I can learn things about myself and miss this circumstance. And then, number two, when I spend some time to, like I said, pause and look and listen, is then to ask, Lord, maybe there's a place, of, a step of faith they're asking me to take what's something new about you or something new about what you're doing in this world or something new about who I am and what you're going to teach me in which I need to take a step of faith. And so it really is that pause, look and listen for me and then secondly is to, Lord, where's that step of faith you're calling me to take? So I'm not saying I wake up in the morning in the midst of crisis and going, oh, this is great. (laughs) Life is the pits. I'm so excited to get into this day. But when you pause, and sometimes it takes me quite a while to get to that place in a day, it actually moves to the edge of your seat because you're all of a sudden, life becomes a little bit of an adventure where you're kind of looking and watching and trying to figure out what God's going to do with this mess. And that's part of what I think is so cool about God. I mean, I'll just maybe say this. One of the things that Genesis always taught me, we worship the creative God who speaks into nothingness and brings things into being. Speaks into disorder and chaos, and brings order. And I look at all the things we're going through here and say, "This isn't a big challenge for God." No, I'm just saying that in faith, <laughs> not in reality. But it moves me to the edge of my seat to say, "What are you going to do, God? How are you going to work?"
0: Order and chaos, and He brings order, and and it's so true. But so God really isn't surprised by whatever it is that we're going through. And the truth is, God routinely allows us to experience more than we can handle. I mean, this, this happens all the time. Well, we are always getting into situations where we're in over our head, where we have more than we can handle. For example, think about, uh, think about these people. There's Noah. Uh, did Noah have more than he can handle? 120 years, 100 years, however long it was for him to build an ark that he was going to carry like civilization on for a while? that more than he could handle? How about Moses having to go and deliver the children of Israel out of the grasp of the Pharaoh and the empire of Egypt? Would that have been more than he could handle when he was called in the wilderness? Did he give any pushback? Yeah. He had all kinds of reasons why he absolutely could not handle it. God, you've got the wrong guy. Do you ever get into situations Maybe even right now, where it's more than you can handle? And you're saying, God, I can't do this. I don't know how much longer I can do this. Uh, How about uh, Joshua, where he was to take over the reins after they got into the land, this land that was the Wild West for them? Did he have more than he can handle? How about Gideon and the battles that he had to face and he had to walk into? Did he have more than he could handle? All of these people had more than they can handle. How about Nehemiah, the guy who was supposed to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem when he had all kinds of opposition coming at him? More than he could handle. How about the prophets? The prophets. How about, how about the prophet that was told, they're not going to listen to you? You can go and you can deliver this message, but they're not going to listen to you. How about the prophet that was told, your wife's going to be unfaithful, right? How about the prophet that was told, you're going to be killed. You're going to be rejected and killed. Did they, were they in over their heads in order to do what God wanted them to do? Do we think it's going to be any different that, from us that, that, that we might also be in over our heads at times and we need God to help us do what he's calling us to do? I'm thinking about Paul and Silas in Philippians, uh, or not in Philippians, in Acts chapter 16 in the city of Philippi, uh, where they were thrown in jail. I mean, that, that's kind of a jail. You know, some of us would say we're, we're in kind of a jail right now, right? We can't go and get out and do the things we want to do. But real jail is kind of a mission breaker, right? You, you really can't fulfill the mission that God's called you to do. They were in way over their heads, and how about the Son of God? Was Jesus in way over his head when he had to go into the garden and he had to sweat great drops of blood and prayer just to get through the next 24 hours? He was in way over his head. God allows us to have way more than we can handle. And then he shows up in power and authority and then he helps us with all of it. He allows us to get in the deep end, whether he puts us there or circumstances take us there, whether it's the world, the flesh, or the devil, we end up there, and God allows us to get there, and then he shows up in power and authority, and he helps us with all of it. And when we are in way uh, over our head and when we have way more than we can handle, what is it an opportunity for? It's an opportunity for us to develop, to develop our faith, to develop our trust in God. If we don't exercise the faith and trust muscles, we're never gonna get stronger. We're just, imagine if you just laid around the house all day long. You ate and laid around the house. And then you maybe climbed the stairs if you need to climb the stairs. And you got to your bedroom and you flopped on the bed all night long. And then the next day you just laid around the house what happens after a week or two or three or a month? You get pretty weak and flabby. And that's what would happen to our faith if everything was just the way we wanted it. And if God never gave us more than we could handle, we would be very weak Christians. So now to 2 Peter chapter 1, let's look at verses 1 through 4. And just these first four little verses, so powerful what Peter has to share. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of God, uh, of, of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life, through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. There's a whole lot in this passage, but I want to look at particularly two areas of this passage. Verse 3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. God's power gives us everything we need for a godly life. So when we face a situation, it may we may be in way over our heads, but God is going to throw something in the water that we can grab onto that will lift our are breathing above the water so that, so that we can make it. Now this phrase, God will never give you more than you can handle, it comes from that passage in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 13. But it deals with temptation. And that passage is talking particularly about temptation, that you're never going to get into a situation where you can say, God, I couldn't help it. I, there was, I had no other choice. I had to sin. I had to do that. God said no. No. He's going to make a way for you to be able to go through that and yet remain obedient to him. It may be through death. It may be through trial, through suffering. It may be through deliverance that God delivers you in a way that you never would have imagined. But God is going to make a way for you to escape temptation. But what we're talking about is different. We're talking about life. We're talking about when when the burden gets so heavy on us that we just feel like we can't hold up any longer. Well, what does it say? It says that his divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Now, where do we get everything we need? It says his divine power. You know the other, the other deities around the planet, the idols, the false gods, they keep their divine power. Now, they don't really have any, Right? But as you you would bow before them and worship them, none of that power comes to you. It doesn't come to you. You're giving everything to them. You're sacrificing to them. You're worshiping them. But God wants to give us his divine power. And he includes us in his plans. Look what it says in, um, uh, let's see, here. Here. Um, The next slide. He has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. So first he gives us his power. And here it says that we get to participate in the divine nature. That's pretty specific. And that's pretty deep. The divine nature, the, the very essence of who God is, that we get to participate in that. We get to be partners with God. We get to share in his work. We get to share in his glory. We get to share in his blessings. We get to share in the fulfillment that he gets from helping other people, the fulfillment he gets from loving other people, the fulfillment he gets from providing for others and encouraging others, loving others. We get to participate in the divine nature. If we were never in over our heads, we would never care or need to participate in the divine nature. We wouldn't need his divine power to give us everything we need to live a godly life. Are you in over your head? You very well may be. Because you know what? A lot of people today are in way over their head. In fact, they're in a tunnel and they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's just dark. And they're stumbling along. And they're waiting for it to take a turn. And you may be there. You're just waiting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And you can't see it. And, and, and people will stand up and say, oh, there's light, there's light. There it is, there it is. But it isn't there. It's not there. And maybe you need God's divine power in your life. Maybe you need to be able to know that you can, you're able to participate in the divine nature. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And I, I want to read these two screens to you. These are, again, these are full screens. I want you to absorb the scripture. I want to, let it let these waves of scripture just just wash over you. Look what it says. Rather, Paul says, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. Now, there are people going through those things today. Then look what it says. It takes a turn. He goes from riots, imprisonments, hard work, sleepless nights, hunger, and then he says in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness. In the Holy Spirit, there's where our power is. And in sincere love, that's where our power power is. In truthful speech, and then look what it says, in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, Through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on. You feel like you're in over your head? Paul did. He says beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. Let me read to you again what I put in bold. We live on, not killed, always rejoicing, making many rich, possessing everything. Paul started by talking about shipwrecks, getting beaten. In fact, it says in the book of Acts, it talks about where he was stoned, and he was dragged and dumped outside of the city and left for dead, and then his friends came. They somehow revived him, got him back up, cleaned him off. And what does he do? He walks back into the city. Paul, you're a fool. <laughs> like, what, why would you walk back into the city where they just stoned you and they left you for dead? And a guy who was stoned and left for dead says, We live on. He says, Not killed. He'd been a, it, they attempted to kill him. And he says, No, not killed. He says, always rejoicing, making many rich. He says, having nothing. Paul says, having nothing, yet possessing everything. You see, whatever the current crisis in the world can bring us, we can still possess everything because our confidence is in God. Our confidence is in God. It's not in the stock market. It's not in whether or not things open up. And we all, want, we all want it to go back to the way it was. And I think probably sooner or later it's going to, or it's going to go back to a new way that we're likely going to like just as much. But until then, we're not killed. We, we have everything we need because God says, I'm going to be with you I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'll give you my divine power so that you can, you'll have everything you need to live a godly life. In fact, I'll I'll allow you to participate in my divine nature. Those are good words from God. Those are words that we need to hear this morning. I want to welcome the worship team to come back up right now. They're going to come up and they're going to lead us in another song, but I want to read this to you. This isn't the song we're going to sing, but this song popped into my head as I was going through this last passage two nights ago. Let me read the lyrics to you. Some of you will know this song. It says, Does Jesus care? Some of us are wondering, Does Jesus care? When my heart is pained too deeply for mirth or song, and as the burdens press, and as the cares just distress and the way grows weary and long, does Jesus care when my way is dark with a nameless dread and fear? And as the daylight fades into deep night shades, does he care enough to be near? And does Jesus care when I've tried and I've failed to resist some temptation strong? When for my deep grief there is no relief. Though my tears flow all the night long, does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me? And my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks. Does it matter to him? Does he see? If we were singing this hymn, you sing the chorus after each verse, right? And I think there were uh, four verses there. So this would be the fourth time we would sing this chorus. And it goes like this. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He cares. <laughs> I know he cares. His heart, his heart is touched by my grief. And when the days are weary and the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. And he does. And maybe this morning you just needed to be reminded that Jesus cares and he's willing, and he loves you. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you that you care. Thank you that you do give us more than we can handle. And then you show up right at our side, and you lock arms with us, and you hold us up, and you walk us through the difficulty and the pressure and the stress and the chaos. And God, I pray for those this morning who feel like it's just more than they can handle. And perhaps it is, God, and likely it is. God, help them to lean on you. Help them to know that you're there with them, that you're carrying them through this time. And as stressful as it is, as chaotic as it is, and as sad as it is, as people may lose their livelihood and their job and and, and possessions and maybe even family members. God, I pray that we would lean on you and know that you are going to carry us through. And it is all going to be good because of you, and because of your love and power. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. In your name we pray.